May God speak to you through today's message from Pastor Adam Jungblut. Well, good morning, Parkway Fellowship. Man, I'm glad y'all are here this morning. Hey, I want to give a special shout out. Welcome to our North Campus. I miss you guys. I'll see y'all next week. Boy, I tell you, you picked a fantastic Sunday to come to church. I tell you, it's rainy. Daylight savings time, first week of spring break. It's mornings like this when I'm extremely appreciative of our hospitality ministry. There wasn't enough coffee in the world to wake me up this morning. It felt like I could not wait to get here. But not only that, we're kicking off a brand new series this week called Lost Causes. You know, while I was working on my message this week, I thought about the times in my life when I felt like a lost cause. One of the most obvious ones that quickly jumped out to me was my football career. It lasted seventh and eighth grade. Um, yeah, I know. Uh, my, my original goal was to be the center of the offensive line. <laughs> that lasted a couple of practices. But I mean, really, my football career was a lost cause before it ever even began. But there were other times in my life when I felt like a lost cause. And new, newsflash, I'm not perfect. Uh, pastors aren't perfect. And being a pastor doesn't make you perfect. I thought about a season in my life that I drank too much. I thought about the time in my life when I was addicted to pornography. I thought about my years in high school when my mouth was so foul that it, it would have been hysterical for me to have presented the gospel to anybody. My sin was so blatant. It hurt. It was shameful, embarrassing, filled with regret. Today, I feel like such a lost cause when I lose my patience with my kids. Or when Robin, my wife and I, we get in a disagreement and I snap back and I say something harsh or extremely sarcastic and I know that it just hurts her. It's at that moment that I feel like such a lost cause that being a godly husband, a godly father, a godly pastor, it just seems miles and miles away. But let's just be honest, I'm not the only one in the room that knows what it feels like to be a lost cause. And in a church our size, it's probably hundreds of things that have caused us at one point or another to feel like lost causes. Maybe a relationship that went south quickly. Maybe for someone in this room, a business deal that lacked integrity. Maybe it's anger, loss of patience flying off the handle. Maybe it's thoughts and desires that if, if we're exposed, we would feel like would completely ruin us. Or maybe it's a hidden, dark secret that nobody else knows about. And you feel like a lost cause, maybe abuse, addiction, rape, abortion. But when push comes to shove, all of us know exactly what it feels like to be a lost cause. That's why this series is so crucial. That's why it is so important for us to listen to this because the truth is, is that in God's kingdom, there is no such thing as a lost cause. We're gonna spend five weeks looking at five people in the Bible that society had labeled as a lost cause, whether because of their background, their lifestyle, a decision that they made in a single moment, a stereotype, they were labeled a lost cause, and as we look into it, I can't help but think they began to believe that as well, that they were a lost cause. And we're going to look at how God radically transformed their lives and did amazing things in them and through them. Today, we're specifically going to look at our sin. 
and how our sin causes us to feel like a lost cause. Because there's nothing like sin that labels us. There's nothing like our sin that drives that wedge in our relationship with God, that causes that shame, that regret, the guilt, the embarrassment, that not only allows us to believe the lie that God can't do anything good or any of his purposes through our lives, but not only can he not use us, but why would he want to have a relationship with me? Why would he want to love me? My sin has made me such a lost cause. And today we're going to look at a lady in the Old Testament that when you think of lost causes in Scripture, she's definitely one of the tops. Her name's Rahab. She was a prostitute in the city of Jericho. Let me catch you up in our biblical narrative of where we are. So the nation of Israel has been freed from slavery in Egypt. They've wandered through the desert for 40 years, and they are at the edge of the promised land. They're at the banks of the Jordan River about to enter in the promised land that God had set aside for them. Joshua is in charge of the nation at the time, and he sends two spies across to go spy out the land that they're about to enter. If you haven't gotten your worship notes out yet, go ahead and get it out. We'll be in Joshua chapter 2, verses 1 through 7. Now, let me read it for us. It says, Then Joshua, son of Nun, secretly sent two spies from Shittim. Go back, look over the land, he said, especially Jericho. So they went and entered the house of a prostitute named Rahab and stayed there. The king of Jericho was told, look, some of the Israelites have come here tonight to spy out the land. So the king of Jericho sent this message to Rahab, bring out the men who came to you and entered your house because they have come to spy out the whole land. God, talk about a lost cause. Could there be a bigger stigma of a lost cause in our society than a prostitute? And look, not only that, everybody knew her and knew who she was. Did you catch that? When they found out, when the city of Jericho found out that the two spies from the nation of Israel had gotten into Jericho, they knew they went to Rahab's house. Even the king was like, hey, tell Rahab the prostitute to let him out. I mean, even the king knew who she was. Even the king knew. I mean, when everybody walked by her house, they knew. When she walked in the marketplace, they knew who she was. I guarantee you nobody wanted to make eye contact with her. Nobody spoke to her. They probably just got out of the way. The shame that her sin brought upon her and her family, the regret that she probably carried, society completely labeled her a lost cause, and I promise you, she completely bought into it. So today... What I want us to look at is how do I go from being a lost cause to being used by God for his purpose? How do I go from being a lost cause to being used by God for his purposes? And I want us to continue to look at Rahab. And here's the first thing that we see. So the first thing that we've got to do if we're going to shed this label of a lost cause, it's let my faith shape my future. Let my faith shape my future. Let's keep reading in Joshua chapter 2. Let's pick up in verse 8. It says, Before the spies lay down for the night, she went up on the roof and said to them, I know. Under those two words for me. I know. You're going to see how important they are in just a minute. That the Lord has given you this land and that a great fear of you has fallen on us so that all who live in this country are melting in fear because of you. 
We had heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. What you did to Sihon and Og, the two kings of the Amorites east of the Jordan, whom you completely destroyed. When we heard of it, our hearts melted in fear and everyone's courage failed because of you. And underline the rest of it. For the Lord your God is God in heaven above and on earth below. This is what's so crucial. Rahab, it's two words. I know. I know that your God is the God in heaven above and on earth below. You see, it was as these stories were coming, as she met these two spies, she realized something. That the God of the Israelites is the one true God, and the gods of the city of Jericho are not. And she wanted to side with the God of the Israelites. She didn't care what her past had been. She didn't care what her label of a lost cause was. She was going to let her faith, I know, professing the faith that your God is the one true God, the God in heaven above and on earth below, shape her future. I know. See, she could have been shaped, her future could have been shaped by her guilt, which is the struggle that you have when it comes to believing this lie that your sin has caused you to be a lost cause. The struggle is is that you let your guilt shape your future. Look, Rahab didn't do that and neither should you. Look, let's just look at this for a second. You know, and, and whatever happened Whatever sin it was that is causing you to believe that you're a lost cause, okay, Satan won in that moment. Whatever it was, but why would you let him continue to win? Why would you let him continue to have that victory in your life over and over and over again, letting that one moment that Satan was victorious continue to shape your future? Stop. Rahab did. She let her faith shape her future. From that moment forward, the time that she professed her faith in the God of the Israelites, her life completely changed. Because she stopped letting the guilt and shame and sin dictate her future. And she let her faith take over in that moment. She didn't care what label or what sin she had. She said, all I want is to side with the God of the Israelites. Here's how that plays out in a very practical way for you. Let's take, for example, in about a month, we are going to start looking for small group leaders for our summer semester. Somebody who lets their guilt shape their future would say something like, gosh, I'd really like to do that. I love my small group. I really think I'd be a great leader. But if they knew the sin that I have, if they knew the struggle that's ongoing that I'm trying to kick, if they knew what happened to me, that one choice that I made years and years ago, you know what? They'd never let me be a small group leader. And they'd let it pass. And they would have let their guilt shape their future. But somebody who lets their faith shape their future would say, you know what, I think I'd like to do that. And I know that I've made mistakes. I know that my sin is horrible. But I'm not going to let that shape my future. I'm going to step up. I'm going to lead. I'm going to let God take care of my sin. And maybe, just maybe, I can use my sin to help others in my small group get over it as well. You know what? It leads perfectly to the second thing that we got to do if we're going to move from being a lost cause to being used for God in his kingdom. And that's I have to use what separated me from God to bring others to him. If you're going to move from being a lost cause to being used by God, 
You have to use what separated me from God to bring others to him. Okay, so let's keep the story going here. So Rahab and the spies, they talk, and the spies basically say, okay, Rahab, because you, because you have saved us, because you have kind of sheltered us and hid us in here, we'll save you and your family. We'll save you and your family. When we come, you and your family will be saved. Let's pick up that little transaction right there in Joshua 2, 17 through 18. Now the men had said to her, this oath you made us swear, that's the one of, hey, we'll protect your family, will not be binding on us unless when we enter the land, you have tied this scarlet cord. Underline this scarlet cord for me. This scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. And unless you have brought, and underline the rest here, your father and mother, your brothers and all your family into your house. Scarlet cord was probably something like this. Maybe a little longer. But the scarlet cord was a sign of a prostitute in biblical times. A prostitute would take the scarlet cord and she would hang it over her door handle or out her window to basically let everybody know in society where she was and when office hours were open. This scarlet cord defined Rahab. This scarlet cord labeled her as a lost cause. Every time she saw it in her house, it was a reminder of the sin and the shame and the guilt and the condemnation and the regret that labeled her a lost cause. This defined her. How amazing and ironic is it that that very cord that used to label her as sinful and as a lost cause was the very cord that rescued her and her family. But notice it wasn't just her. It wasn't just her that was rescued. It was, hey, you hang this cord out your window just like you always do. But this time, it's going to signify your rescue. And we're going to save you, and we're going to save your father, and we're going to save your mother, and we're going to save your entire family using this cord. Look, the reason that God wants to shed the lie of you being a lost cause is because he wants to use you to bring others to himself. I used to be addicted to pornography. It's nothing new. I talk about it all the time in here. It was a horrible, dark time in my life. It was a secret that I kept that nobody else did. I can't tell you the shame and the guilt that I felt. I knew in the back of my mind that it was, it was really destroying my marriage. I knew that it was just leaving just a legacy of just a sin. And I, I just couldn't stop. I just couldn't break it. There was a series of events. It all came out, and it was really nasty. It was really messy, and it hurt really bad. And it took a whole lot of prayer and a whole lot of help. But I completely defeated it. And I'm no longer addicted to pornography. Golly. And then I got vocal about it. I got vocal about it. I started talking about the victory that I had. And let me tell you this. Not a month goes by that somebody from this church calls me or sends me an email and said, Pastor Adam, I'm struggling with pornography. Would you pray for me? And would you help? Because they know that I understand what it feels like. I understand the fact that nobody knows and you're living this lie and you feel like a lost cause because your sin is so disgusting. I know it. I get it. And I'm able to help. I'm able to pray. 
have lunch, pray, grab your small group, and we'll pray about this, and I'll help. Look, the only way it happens is I had to talk about it. I had to get vocal about it. In the beginning, I remember the first time I talked about it at church, I was like, oh my gosh, they're going to look at me so bad. Now it's like, hey, I was addicted to porn. I talk about it all the time. It's no big deal. I've completely gotten victory over it, and you can too, and I'd love to help. I had to humble myself. I had to shed the label. I had to become transparent, and I had to surround myself with others. For me, that was my small group. During that time in my life, in my small group, I didn't know it. There were other men who had defeated that same addiction. I had no idea. Nobody was talking about it. But I talked about it when it all came out, and they helped me. At the same time, there were a couple other men in small group as well that were addicted to it. So we were all able to work on it together. And now in my small group, we talk about it all the time. Look, you've got to be in a small group. You've got to be transparent. God desires to use what used to separate you from him to bring others to him. The only way that you can do this, you've got to get vocal about it. You've got to get vocal, and you've got to let people know. Look, Rahab didn't have to get vocal about it because everybody knew. The entire city of Jericho knew. You're going to have to get vocal. If God wants to do his huge purpose through you, you gotta let people know. That's how you move from being a lost cause to being used mightily in God's kingdom. What's the third thing? The third thing is that you've gotta believe that anything is possible after I am forgiven. Anything is possible after I am forgiven. So the nation of Israel comes up on Jericho. It's a great story. If you haven't read it, you should go back and read the beginning part of the book of Joshua. They come up to Jericho. They walk around the city for a bunch of days. On the seventh day, they walk around seven times. They shout trumpets, and the entire city comes crumbling down. Every man, woman, child, livestock in Jericho is completely destroyed, except Rahab. Look at it right here in Joshua, chapter 6, verse 17. Only Rahab the prostitute. See how she was labeled? Only Rahab the prostitute and all who are with her and her house shall be spared, because she hid the spies we sent. Look, after this story of Jericho, Rahab, and the spies, you'd probably assume that like, this is kind of the end of like, Rahab's run in Scripture. That's kind of like her time to shine, moment, shout out, she did something great. She joins the nation of Israel, and she just kind of falls away. But that's not true. That's not true. That was just the start. You see, the start for her was when she professed God as the one true God, the Lord on heaven above and on earth below. That was the beginning for her. Obviously, she was so new in her relationship with God and following him that it grew from there. But it started when she aligned her life with God. Have you ever done that? Look, anything is possible after I am forgiven. So let's talk about how you're forgiven. You're forgiven when you become a Christ follower. When you put your hope and your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ, he forgives you of all of your sins that you've ever committed and all of the sins that you're ever going to commit. I mean, think about that for a second. Like the reality is is that we've all made mistakes. That's not news. But because we've made mistakes, because we're sinful, it separates us from God. So God has sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life. 
and then take the punishment for our sins so that we wouldn't have to be separated from God anymore. He lived a perfect life and he died on a cross. Then three days later, he conquered death and rose from the grave. And that if we would put our hope, faith, and trust in him and follow him, make him our savior, that he saves us from our sins and forgives us, and make him our Lord, that we follow him from this point forward, then we have a relationship with God now. And when we die, we get to go to heaven and spend eternity with him. That's where it starts. There's never come a time in your life where you've become a Christ follower. There's a sample prayer at the bottom of your sermon notes. I'll give you time right at the end of the message, but be thinking about it. For Rahab, that was the starting point. Anything is possible after I am forgiven. Rahab went on to do amazing things in God's kingdom. I know that she became a leader of the nation of Israel in her own circle. We know it because she's in the lineage of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 1, the very first chapter of the New Testament, it charts out the complete lineage of Jesus Christ. And Rahab is in it. Look, it's in Matthew chapter 1, 5 through 6. Let me read it for you. We're going through. We get to Salmon, the father of Boaz, whose mother was Rahab. Boaz is the father of Obed, whose mother was Ruth. Obed, the father of Jesse. And Jesse the father of King David, the greatest king in the nation of Israel, was Rahab's great-great-grandson. Are you kidding me? That is a legacy. You see, here's what I believe. What I believe is that in you, God wants to do something so great right now, but he doesn't want it to stop. He wants it to continue for generations. And I am choosing to believe that your great-great-grandson or your great-great-granddaughter is going to do something so mighty for God's kingdom that we wouldn't believe. They will be the one to end human trafficking. They will be the one that brings freedom to so many people. They will be the one to lead the next great, amazing church or ministry. They will be the one to bring integrity back to the business place. But it's going to start with you. It's going to start with you choosing to believe that you are not a lost cause because there are no lost causes in God's kingdom. See, because here's what it comes down to. Do not let your sin label you as a lost cause because in God's kingdom, you are now forgiven. That's the truth. The sin that labeled you a lost cause, when you become a Christ follower, is gone. And you are forgiven. And anything is possible after you are forgiven. If it can happen in Rahab's life, I promise you it can happen in yours. Next week, we're going to look at a guy in the Bible named Matthew. And in society, nobody would ever have thought that Matthew would have been tagged as Jesus Christ, one of his right-hand men. But that's exactly what happened. So come back next week so we can continue to shed the label of being a lost cause. Because in God's kingdom, there's no such thing as a lost cause. So I want everybody right now to take out your connection card and let's take some next steps. 
Maybe for you, it's this first one. I said, I will let my faith shape my future, not my guilt. Would you make that commitment right now, this morning, that from this point forward, you will let your faith shape your future? That you will not let your guilt or shame or regret or any condemnation shape your future in the decisions that you make. But you will let your faith and the one true God, the God in heaven above and on earth below, shape your future. Maybe for you it's number two. It's I commit to exercise humility and use my past to bring others to God, especially to those in my small group. Please make that commitment that you will use whatever used to separate you from God to bring others to himself. And the easiest and greatest place to do it is in your small group. Look, you've already been surrounded by a group of people. You've been meeting for a little over a month now. You've already been praying together. You've already been opening the Bible together. Look, make it in your small group. Number three, because I am forgiven, I will believe that God desires to use me for great purposes. Look, would you make the choice to believe that today and not the fact that your sin has labeled you a lost cause? Would you believe that because you're forgiven, God desires to do something great through you? I promise you, if you begin to believe it, you'll begin to look for it happening. And when you begin to look for those moments where God desires to use you, you'll see them a lot more. You will be used by God greater than you can ever imagine. Maybe for you, it's this fourth one. I will pray the prayer to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. Look, if that's you, if you've never prayed a prayer like the one at the bottom of the sermon notes, it doesn't have to be exactly like that, but one similar to that, to commit your life to following, putting your hope, faith, and trust in Jesus Christ, would you do that this morning? I'm going to give you some time in just a couple of moments to pray that prayer. So check that box. We'd be so happy for you this morning if you did. And maybe for you, it's the last one. I commit to attend the rest of the Lost Causes series. Look, there's only four weeks left, and this was the hardest. This is the hardest one for you to get to. First week of spring break, daylight savings, and it was raising. Look, it's downhill. I, the next four are going to be very easy to come to. Look, would you make a commitment to come so you can make sure that you never believe the lie that you're a lost cause again? All right, here's what I want us to do. I'm going to give you a little bit of time to bow your head, and I want you to pray and ask God what next steps he would have you take. And then I want you to ask for strength to follow through on those this week. So everybody right now, bow your head, look at your connection card, look at the next steps, take the next step that God wants you to take, and then pray for strength that you'd follow it out this week. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you so much for Rahab and for her story. God, we thank you that, God, that those spies came in contact with her. God, we thank you that she professed her faith in you. God, I thank you that she didn't melt in fear like the rest of the city of Jericho did when the story started coming, God, of the nation of Israelites. God, but that, that she put her faith and her hope and her trust in you, that you are the one true God in heaven above and on earth below. And Lord, I thank you that that was a, just a launching point. That was the beginning and the start for her. 
God, I pray that you would continue to grow us like you did Rahab. God, that you would continue to grow us closer to you. God, that you might use us for great and grand things in your kingdom. God, as we continually to look towards you and we look for you, God, to move in our lives. God, I pray right now, God, for our great, great grandsons and our great, great granddaughters, God, that there would be such an amazing work done in them or through them. God, that it would cause the world to be amazed. God, and that only you can receive the glory. God, because when they look back, they just see sinful people like us. God, who shed the label of being a lost cause, knowing that we are no longer sinners, that we are forgiven, and that we are able to be used for mighty things in your kingdom. So God, right now, we need you. We need you to give us the strength as we continue to walk this, and we continue to fight this lie. God, we love you, and we ask all this in your name. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. For more information about Parkway Fellowship, find us online at parkwayfellowship.com or facebook.com slash parkwayfellowship. You can also download our mobile app for access to the most recent messages, video content, and much more. It is available both in the Apple App Store and Android's Google Play.